Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Action Radio Show. Tonight, my guests are director Pauline Griller Mitchell and actress Laurie Simons from Enchanted April which is playing on stage now at Greenbelt Arts Center at 123 Center Way, Greenbelt, Maryland. That's playing right now through April the 30th. For tickets, go to www.greenbeltartscenter.org or call 301-441-8770. The show is about two English women in the 1920s who go on holiday in San Salvatore, Italy. So I see that uh, Pauline and Laurie are on the line, so let me bring them on in. Hi. Good evening. Hi there. Good evening, Laurie. Good evening. Pauline, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Right, far away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Pauline, I'm going to start with you. Uh, So uh, why did you decide to direct this play? Uh, Because several years ago I was co-producer for the show at Silver Spring Stage, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It's a charming journey of women um, in the 1920s, and I fell in love with the show. Great, great. Yeah, so, Laurie, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your uh, your character, Lottie. So how did you prepare for that role? Um, I did a lot of research, and we had a lot of discussions amongst the cast on who these people are. But uh, for Lottie, it was trying to find what exactly about her, um, you know, what kind of drives her. There was so much sadness and darkness in her life with the war and her own family and uh, finding why it is that she wants such happiness and where does she find that within herself. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of research on my part there. Absolutely. So, uh, Paula, Pauline, t- talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other uh, characters and actors in the show. Well, um, Lottie um, is very, very outgoing. Uh, Rose is very introverted She's very um, religious. She's in a very unhappy marriage. And she and Lottie really, they're poles apart but become sisters. Uh, Lady Caroline is a socialite, um, but there's history in her past that we discover quite late in the show. Mrs. Graves is a very severe, no-nonsense um woman um, who also has uh, issues which don't come out till much later in the show. Um, the husbands, uh, Rose's husband, Frederick, um, is a poet. Um, he is also, uh, the marriage isn't working for him, and you can feel the tension between them definitely in Act One. Mellish Wilson is Lottie's husband. He believes that his wife should do absolutely everything for him, and he doesn't understand why she wants to go off and do something. And um, he's 
he basically tries to control everything that she does. Um, the other man in the show is um, Anthony Wilding, who owns San Salvatore, um, and he is the, I would say, the icebreaker and helps take the women through the journey that they end up on. And the real comedic person in the cast is Costanza, played by Carly Jones, um, who has been the mother figure in Anthony Wilding's life. And she has an incredible, um, wonderful sense of, of comedic timing. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, um, Laurie, are you a believer in uh, being off book early? And if so, how early? Uh, Yes, I am. However, with this particular play, um, it was a little frustrating for me to not be at that place when I wanted to. But I would like to, ideally. I try to get off book as soon as possible. Um, That way it gives you more time to figure out the reality of these characters to make them real people because you don't ever want I mean of course nobody ever wants the audience to see you on stage we always want them to see the characters and try to make it as believable as you can to try to find those places where you know these characters come alive so yeah the sooner the better but sometimes that doesn't always happen the way you want mm, okay Pauline so then what's your preference for actors being off book um at least three weeks before show opens, um, because you can't you can't sort of bring props in um, while people are still wandering around the stage, flapping their scripts around. Um, <laughs> and also because you can't do the real character development and chemistry, it's the same thing. That only comes as you get closer and closer to opening night. And I'm a director who keeps tweaking and tweaking right up to to tech week. But I do believe that a cast needs to be ready um, completely by tech week because that's when the director has to work with all the technical stuff that has to be done. Exactly. So, Laurie, how do you handle conflicts and artistic vision with directors in general? Well, I mean, I certainly wouldn't do a show if I didn't believe in the same types of things as the director. Um, But I I try to be open to if they have a different view on something. There's no harm in trying it out, though. I don't know if I have come into contact with a lot of conflict of uh, direction and and vision for things. So, yeah, I mean, just there's no, like I said, no harm in trying anything. And you never know what you might find if somebody gives you a different twist on something. Yeah, absolutely. So, Pauline, I'm going to ask you the same question. So, uh, you know, just in general, how do you deal with uh, conflicts and visions? Um, well, I've, I've traveled a long way since I first started directing when I was, you know, was, was my way or, or not. Um, and now I, you know, I give some basic parameters, but then I like to see people, the cast and the characters, the actors, really bringing their own um, vision to the roles because if it's my vision, then I'm destroying their own creative abilities and it's all about creating a picture. And for me, one of the things I've said, you know, 
it's like building a show. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You start from the outside, and it's when you put the final piece in. And it's really the people you cast who are important. If you don't get a good cast, you don't get a good show. It's as simple as that. I don't care how good a director you are. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's true. So, Laurie, have you ever felt like uh, you just needed to get away? You know, like like, I said, like you say in the Southwest commercials, <laughs> like just take a holiday, just like Lottie. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's certainly times with life in general and work and that whole balance of sometimes it would be nice to just kind of drop everything and get away from it. But, um, you know, it'll still be there when you get back, so... It is nice to try to work out whatever it is that's going on, but there are those times where you do get that vacation and you get to kind of relax and let it all go for a while. <laughs> I don't know if I would be as bold as Lottie to just up and, you know, go off to a foreign country by myself with some woman I just met. But, you know, the idea of it is kind of nice. <laughs> Pauline, how about you? Um, uh, let me think. No, I don't think I've ever done anything quite as rash as as Lottie and Rose have done but I do like to travel and certainly have done some had some great um, experiences in traveling um, but I, I think what is what is important in, in this in Enchanted April is this was the early 1920s women just didn't do what Lottie and Rose decide to do and just up and and really disobey their husbands and go off to a strange country without a buy or leave. I mean, women were still very subservient to their husbands in that period. I mean, today women, most of my married women friends often travel on their own and do things and I'll go away for a weekend and, you know, that's fine. Um, And for a while I used to travel on my own um, just because it wasn't always possible for me and my husband to travel together. So, um, I think I think what it shows is that how times have changed and how women are much more independent today than they were in the 1920s. Yeah, let's let's delve into that a little bit because you know it's the 21st century and then you know back in the 20s, it seemed like things were more restrictive for wives back then. I think most people would agree that it's probably was not ideal for women then, but. And I'm going to start with you, Laura. What ways is it? Could you think of any way back then where it, where it was better for women? Uh, no. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have to answer that one. <laughs> no, I don't know that there would have been anything good for them either. They wouldn't have had as, uh, any kind of opportunity really to do anything other than what they were told. So, yeah, that would have been a very hard time to live in, I think. Really? That was the Roaring Twenties. It was like prosperity and everything. How about you, uh, Holly? Perhaps England, though, I guess. That would be the difference. No, I I mean, I think it's different. I think, well, in many respects, it's not that different if you think about it. When you had money in the 1920s, you could do whatever you wanted. Um, Same today. If you have money, you can do whatever you want. Um, But it's different. I mean, women in the 1920s stayed home, had children, um, you know, went to church, went to social events, and they had to look to their husbands to give them their, quote, housekeeping money to take care of the home. They they, they really didn't have many activities outside of their homes. Um, and they very often their marriages were arranged for them. I mean, that just that's hard to believe now, but it's, it's true. 
And remember, there was the crash that came. And so, you know, things changed a lot, um, I think, between the 1920s and the 1960s. You know, you get two world wars and, um, you know, the Depression and all sorts of things. And, and life changed for a lot of people. Women didn't work um, for a long time. But in World War One and World War Two, women had to go to work. Otherwise, nothing got done. And women go to work now and hold many top jobs in many industries. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Pauline, I'm going to stay with you on uh, directing versus acting. So do you prefer uh, directing, and if so, why? Um, mm, That's interesting. I love acting, but the memory doesn't work so well learning lines anymore. So... um, I tend to look for roles that I don't have to learn a lot, but still can play a relevant part. I love directing um, because it brings out a part of me that I never knew I had, which was to be very, which is to be creative and to um, lead um, the cast and the crew to come together as a team. And I, I that comes from my pr- professional life um, where. I, you know, learned how to do that um, and how to, um, if you have a conflict, how to how to work out a compromise or a consensus. And so that's what I love about the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Laurie, I'm going to go back to you. Um, what can audiences expect? I think they can expect to go on the journey with us. Um, it might sound kind of corny, but you get to meet these women in a sort of quick-paced, um, I wouldn't say crazy environment, but it's a very quick opening, and they kind of launch right into what's happening. You kind of get sucked in along with Lottie and Rose, but then I hope that the audience finds something about themselves watching it um, that they can kind of transform along with the rest of us and, and have their own um San Salvatore to go to, whether it be, you know, back at home and finding new things in their own relationships with their significant other or just happier times in their own lives. So, yeah, I hope that they go on that journey with us and come out smiling like we do. Absolutely. Pauline, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, Ooh, I forgot what the question was. Yeah, um, basically, yeah. What can audiences expect when they come and see uh, Enchanted April? Okay, I think what they can expect is to see relationships growing and to see the journey that we all take together. And for me, um, it's a beautifully well-written script. There is comedy. There is drama. There is a little bit of everything for everybody. Um, but for me particularly, I think a lot of it has to do with the beautiful wording of the play, the fact that there are no four-letter words in it. There is, you know, there are too many plays today that I find are not well written, and the best word is often the four-letter word that can be used in a script, and I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. So that's my big thing. I like well-written plays and the classics and the good scripts that really tell a great story. Exactly, exactly. 
Okay. All right. So I think we've covered some good ground. Um, I guess what I'll just do one bonus question here. I'll, I'll throw in here. Uh, so then, Paulina, you mentioned that uh, some scripts are not well written. Um, name uh, at least uh, two plays you've directed in the past that that you thought was were superbly written. Uh, okay, Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. Which is a brilliantly written script, um, and whoo, whoo! I've been so many that I've loved, but I'm going to go with Noises Off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, those are two Excellent. plays that I've done that stand out in my memory, um, and I will put in one that, in fact, I didn't direct; I was producer on it is brilliantly written, but the language is really awful, was The Pillow Man, which was an amazing production that I was involved in at Silver Spring Stage. Very well written, um, but um, language was very rough to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So, Lori, what are a couple plays that you thought were uh, very well written? Oh, well, I'm always partial to Shakespeare, but having worked with the uh, Maryland Renaissance Festival these past 10 years, it's sort of a, a given for me. But um, oh, I'm trying to think of anything by name. Anything that's good comedic farce, I could certainly go for. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, so I guess we're coming near the end of the segment here. So I guess, uh, Pauline, we'll finish up with you. Just uh, talk a little bit about how people can get tickets uh, when you're playing and uh, anything else. Um, Well, I think you kind of did the introduction to that, but um, it's at the Greenbelt Arts Center. We have three performances this weekend, Friday, Saturday evening, and Sunday afternoon. And the following weekend, Friday, Saturday evening, and Sunday afternoon. And we closing weekend is Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th. You can get tickets by going to the Greenbelt Arts Center website. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I wish uh, you and the cast to uh, break legs, and I thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Good night. Okay, good night. Good night. Good night. Okay, folks, and uh, let me leave you with uh, this thought. Do something for your career every day and break a leg. Hey, federal employees, what would you do with $1 million? Your wishful thinking can become a reality. We're Fed Choice, and we're here to help you achieve your million-dollar dreams, from saving you money on a loan to helping you save for retirement. Visit us online at fedchoice.org and use the keyword inside. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, an official sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA.